What is up, freaks? It's your boy, Marty Bet here to introduce this episode of TFTC. I sat back down with our good friend, Alex Fetsky, to talk about fire, Bitcoin, and teleportation. Probably the most cosmic rip we've had in a while. I'm not going to spoil it for you, freaks. Enjoy it. It was brought to you by our good friends at Unchained Capital. Unchained Capital is here to help you eliminate single points of failure in your custody model. And they're here to bring you financial products. You, Bitcoiners, financial products for a Bitcoin age. They, they leverage Bitcoin's native properties. Most famously with, uh, excuse me, with multi-sig, which uh, comes to life in their bulk product and their lending product. They use multi-sig to, to bring those products to market. Uh, their vault product specifically, if you're looking to eliminate single points of failure in your custody model, it's a great solution to that. Uh, it's a two or three multi-sig in which you hold two keys, Unchained holds one. You always have control of your Bitcoin as long as you have those two keys. You can move them in and out of your vault at your own volition. Uh, but if you're ever in a pinch, Unchained is there with a key to be the second in a two or three multi-seek quorum. If you need them, they have a white glove concierge service going to take you from zero to having a thousand cuck bucks worth of sats in the multi-seek vault. Uh, they're going to have multiple video conference calls with you. They're going to get you comfortable multi-seek and their product. They're going to send you hardware wallets if you get them set up and then they're going to set up the vault and then with you and dump a thousand cook bucks worth of sats. Tell them the TFTC sent you, you're going to get $50 off that white glove concierge service and then go check out everything they have going on at unchained.com. Again, they have their lending product, the Volt, they have our IRA, they have incredible blogs uh, on, on the fundamentals of Bitcoin and future thinking articles about Bitcoin in space. It's a beautiful company They're right down the hall from me. Love those guys. This was also brought to you by our good friends at Bring. Brains. Coming to you live from the Czech Republic, bringing incredible mining products to you freaks. There's a team behind Slush Pool. There's a team behind Brains OS Plus firmware. If you have a miner, an ASIC that is compatible with Brains OS Plus firmware and you don't have it downloaded on that miner, you are leaving sats on the table. It's as simple as that. I believe all S19 models are now compatible with Brains OS Plus firmware. So go download it so you get more sats you get more hash from your asic and therefore you get more sats from your asic it's a race to get as many sats as possible freaks and brains is going to help you get more sats on top of that they have insights.brains.com b-r-a-i-i-n-s.com insights.brains.com it's a great place to go to if you want to learn or not even learn just get a, a snapshot of everything going on in the mining industry from a data perspective, hash rate data, hash price data, difficulty data, pool distribution data, profitability data. It's all there. Insights.brains.com. They're also throwing a conference in June under the miningconference.com. I keep running with this this uh, this website. I hope it's I hope it's the right one. If it's not, somebody correct me. Uh, regardless, go to brains.com. B-R-A-I-I-N-S.com. Check out everything we just mentioned. Incredible team in the Bitcoin space. This was also brought to you by our good friends at HODL HODL. HODL HODL is here to bring you a new KYC, no AML solution to Bitcoin collateralized lending. They also leverage Bitcoin's native multi-sig properties. Uh, the way it works, you go to lend.hodlhodl.com. You're going to find a marketplace if you're a Bitcoiner who needs some liquidity. What you can do is put your Bitcoin up in a two or three multi-sig escrow. You hold one key, your counterparty holds a key, and HODL HODL holds a third key. 
You can't move the Bitcoin, but however, since you hold a key, you have visibility in that wallet. You know that your sats are not being rehypothecated. And if you're paying your principal back plus the interest, you're going to get those sats back at the end of the day. If you want to enter the other side of that marketplace, you're somebody who has stable coins that are just laying around. You want to get yield on them, put them up to be lent out to Bitcoiners looking for liquidity. You put an interest rate on it. Bitcoiner accepts it, you lend that money, and they begin paying you back that principal plus interest so you can get some yield on your stable coins. It's a beautiful thing. Go to lend.hodlhodl.com to check out this product. Again, no KYC, no AML. Non-custodial. Leverage is multi-sig. It's a beautiful thing. Bitcoin's a beautiful thing. Many people are going to meet in South Beach, Miami to celebrate this beautiful thing. Between the dates of April 6th and 9th, Bitcoin 2022 is upon us. It's going to be the biggest fucking conference, fair, event in world history. Bigger than Live Aid. Remember that stuff in the 80s? It like hundreds of thousands of people across the world. This is going to be bigger. Much bigger. The biggest conference ever. Biggest gathering ever. South Beach, Miami. April 6th and 9th. Four-day event. First day's industry day. If you're looking to brush elbows with some heavy hitters in the industry and 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 pitch what you're working on or collaborate with people working in the space, you're going to want to be there. Days two and three, the seventh and eighth are uh, general conference days. You're going to have CEOs like Michael Saylor, Jack Mallers. You're going to have a president, Nay Bukele, is going to be there. Uh, you're going to have the open source stage. You're going to have the mining stage. You're going to have the main stage. It's going to be a Beautiful two-day event packed with very valuable content. Day four, the ninth, the last day, is a, is a, is a music festival. Logic's going to be there. Dead Mouse is going to be there. Run the Jewels is going to be there. They're announcing more acts as we get closer to the conference. Again, do you want to miss out on the biggest event in the world? I don't think so. So go to b.tc slash conference to get your tickets. Prices are going to go up next week. So go get your tickets now, b.tc slash conference. Use the code TFTC. You're going to get 10% off. And on top of that, Matt and I will be doing a live rabbit hole recap there as well, as we always do. It should be fun. Come see us. Come hang out. Enjoy. Okay. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts... All, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. Probably should be. Probably should be. Looking for the live tweet. Looking for the live tweet. Finding it. Found it. Retweeting. Boom. It's time to get cosmic. Alex Fetsky, how the hell are you doing it? Hey, bro. Good to see you again, man. Good to see you too. Yep. I'm apparently not here. I'm, I'm a ghost. You're, uh, you're in amorphous cloud of, exactly. of energy that's just <laughs> roaming the world. Teleporting. I mean, this, is, this is a live teleportation. <laughs> I've worked it out. Teleporting, uh, schooling, uh, Austin Fitz. What's the first name? Caroline? Uh, Catherine. 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 <clears throat> yeah. I, I tried. I think you did a good job. I listened to a lot of it. Appreciate it. It was a long one. That was like two hours. Yeah, we... The the thing is... She, I, I think she's so stuck in the conspiracy theories and in the belief that somehow 
whoever Mr. Global is, is somehow competent. Um, and they're just not like. You think they're incompetent? Totally. They're not evil geniuses? Nah, I don't, I don't buy the evil genius thing. I think like everything we see around us is perfectly explainable through a pandemic of incompetence. Like one dumb thing after another, like of course it's going to get deranged. It's getting pretty deranged, but it seems like people are uh, beginning to win their freedoms back and very optimistic about what's going on in Canada. Dude, the the part of the timeline that I really didn't guess was that Canada was going to like <laughs> change the right? thing. I was like, wait a minute. Yes, D. Barber, like, I'm staying. <laughs> France is about to buy a ticket back. I never literally. thought I'd see the day. Yeah, literally. It's just, it's crazy that the Canadians, the nice people, <laughs> it's like at the end of it, they're like, you know what? Fuck you. Well, that, well, push comes to shove. They're such a polite people. It's like, hey, I've been nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been nice to boot out of this, boot all of this, okay? Like, it's time. It's time to push back. Like, we've, we've been civil throughout all of this. And you've just pushed us too far. It's actually incredible. No, it's, you know, at the beginning, you know, there was a bit of skepticism around it, this and that. But I think particularly the the crowdfund just, oh, man. Talk about 21 Bitcoin as of yesterday, right? 21. Somebody donated five, five yesterday, last night. Uh, the, I think the, the reign of tyrants is over. It yeah, was part yeah. of the. Yeah, so that knocked it up to 21, I think. Yeah, the grip on the grip uh, the tyrants have on power is is loosening. We're going to win. Love's going to win. Love is going to win the day. Mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. the thing that's so fucked up. And they, they divide and when everybody like yapping at each other and fighting. Really, we should just be loving each other and like trying to work together. Well, I mean, to a degree, like I think we need to, <laughs> we, we need to be careful with the love thing because it's like, you know, under that, it's, it's a very easy thing to say. And then everyone's like, well, it, the, the everyone should love each other turns into everyone must love each other very quickly. Uh, no, I don't. I don't agree with must. Yeah, well, that's the problem. I think you just make the the capacity to not get engaged in conflict. Uh, you, you create the threshold at which conflict will be ins like instigated much higher. Higher, exactly. And free trade via a, a free and open source monetary system, I think, would would push that bar up way high. I would never have thought of that. No? No. Why not? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the premise of this whole essay, basically. Right? Yeah. So we're, we're here to talk about fire, Bitcoin, teleportation. Mm -hmm. uh, I was reading this, like, we brought up Francis already, but this was, uh, you wrote this, this long piece for the Bitcoin Times edition four. Mm-hmm. Dropped January 29th. And it was incepted in your mind during a car ride at Bitcoin 2021 with Indeed. Francis. Indeed. Poilette. What, uh, what were you guys talking about? So we were, we, we had just come out of some, kind of like some one of those satellite events where there was a bunch of uh, corporate Bitcoiners. I think it was like Mike Belchie and stuff like this. So people that wanted to like, you know, create Bitcoin S2X. Mm -hmm. right? And so Francis was kind of like raging <laughs> and he's like, these people are fucking stupid, blah, blah, blah. And we're, we're driving with a friend and she was a noob and she was like, I didn't get it. What's wrong? Blah, blah. And as we do, we were just ranting about Bitcoin and we were just kind of confirming why this is like the biggest thing that's happened in God knows how long. And, and Francis just kind of said, he goes, you know, we're going to look back on this thousands of years from now and be like, you know, the first big thing was fire. And then he's like, then it's fucking Bitcoin. And then who knows? teleportation he just like blurted it out and I, it just stuck with me i was like hmm and then the next day or two days later or whatever it was um when i was on stage for the for the toxic bitcoin maximalist thing with um with nico 
Nick, uh, Dr. Bitcoin MD, Young Lurk, and who else was there with us? I think that was it. It was such a fucking good panel. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of talked about it on there and I just like formed up an idea and I said, man, I've got to write something about this one day. And yeah, just sat there. And I remember the first two bits of inspiration I got for this piece. One was when I was in Dominican Republic. Um, I couldn't sleep. Woke up one morning and this just like thing hit me. I was like, what happens when human behavior um, over time and over generations aligns to what you kind of mentioned, the threshold for uh, plunder is high um, and the comparative cost of cooperation is much lower. What actually happens over multiple iterations? And I I actually started this essay with the end of the essay Mm -hmm. um, where I talk about like the the timeline, uh, BB and AB, so Mm -hmm. before Bitcoin and after Bitcoin. So I started there and then there was a book that inspired me quite a bit called um, Energy and Civilization which I quote in the thing by Vaclav Smil. Whoever hasn't read that, read that shit. Vaclav, read uh, The Century of Natural Gas too. That's a good book as well. Indeed. Um, I haven't read that, but I'm sure it is. The guy's good. Um, so I read that and then that kind of started to, to just form the ideas for me, that this idea of evolution being a function of uh, energy carrying capacity, which is something Brandon and I about recently as well on the pod. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because actually uh, one of the things I want to bring up, maybe we, we just jump right into it, was uh, one of the quotes, I believe it was from Vaclav. Um, in every instance considered, natural selection will so operate as to increase the total mass of organic system to increase the rate of circulation of matter through the system and increase the total energy flux through the system so as long there is present an unutilized residue of matter and available energy. And I think this quote particular that you put in that piece is just very important for a particular point uh, in human history where it seems that a lot of the people, the incompetent leaders we were describing in the beginning, want us not to utilize all the energy. Like if we're a system, humanity's a system, Earth's a system, nature's a system, the environment that we live in is a system, we want to be using as much energy as possible. And that seems counterintuitive. Well, it shouldn't be counterintuitive. It should be very intuitive. But for some reason, in our modernity, it has become counterintuitive. Yeah, the, 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 there's an important nuance as well. It's the it's the harnessing and utilization of waste. Uh, sorry, the harnessing and utilization of energy versus the harnessing and wastage of energy. Right. So, so wasting energy is always stupid. Yes. You, you, like it, you can't create it out of thin air. Right. So it's something that you want to use it for a purpose. Um, but and this is where all the lemmings basically and the and the incompetence and all of that sort of stuff get confused is that they look at um, total energy usage and they say, that's bad. Um, but energy usage is actually in line with life, basically. If you want more life, you want more energy usage. Um, if you want less life, you want to... So, so they're like kind of... They're, they're con- like life and energy are aligned and wanting to use less energy is literally saying you're anti-life, basically. Now, the nuance that I just mentioned, this this idea of wastage, I didn't write about a lot of that in this essay, like I've written about it in the past, but basically what's wrong with the world today is we probably, arguably, waste, I don't know, 99% of the energy. like, And we're still doing pretty well wasting all this energy, right? So mm-hmm. the example that I've used is 
for you and I to go and buy a coffee around the corner, right? What 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 needs to exist in order for that to occur? Just did it. Yeah. So so tell me what what's the infrastructure that needs to exist for that to occur? So we need somebody in, probably in South America with a farm. Okay. Let me let me rephrase this. Uh, what payments and money infrastructure needs to occur in order for you to pay for it? Uh, Let's focus on the financial. Okay. I went to a POS system. I used my Cash App card with an NFC tap. Um, so you need Cash App to communicate with the merchant's bank. Mm-hmm. You need to settle uh, my credit when it just became buying the coffee. They need to take that away from the debit side of my ledger to the credit side. And then they need to uh, cross-reference that with the, the merchant's mm-hmm. ledger as well in their bank. And there's a communication between my card, the POS system, uh, the POS system, the merchant's bank, my card, my Cash App account. Mm-hmm. So then if we build on top of that, so, so that, so that requires all of this merchant facility infrastructure that requires the visa rails or the MasterCard rails. So it requires all of those. Then it requires all of those businesses. It requires everyone who works for those businesses, all the buildings, all the infrastructure for those. It requires the entire banking system. Then it requires the entire judicial system so it can keep it in check. Mm-hmm. Then it requires the central banking system. Then it requires the government, then the military industrial complex. Just so I can buy a coffee. Exactly. Like that, that, that's, that's what's required in order to enable a means of cooperation amongst human beings, like in order for us to store the product of our labor and exchange it. Like it, that function, that cooperative function is so, 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 so important that we have built institution upon institution upon institution to hold it together and create complexity in society. And it's necessary because it's the most important thing that humans can do. Because if we can't cooperate, we fall down to what you mentioned earlier, which is plunder. Yes. We beat each other over the head to take shit. Mm-hmm. So we need all of that stuff to do that. And that's just in the US. Then you multiply that by Australia, Europe, Asia, blah, blah everything else. Like imagine the amount that the quantum of energy that is required just so people can do payments. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty heady when you think about it. It's yeah. massive. It's a massive. And Bitcoin just swaps all of that and it goes like electricity to money. And a payment system like it's it's direct so it bypasses all like when we think about like bitcoin removing middlemen like the real middlemen that it removes is all of that infrastructure which is really energy mm-hmm. it removes all of that and it's a direct conversion well this is, you're reminding me of a conversation i had two nights ago i had a friend from back home facetime me uh and he he's a bitcoiner and he's trying to convince his older brother about bitcoin and his older brother just has older brother syndromes. Like my younger brother can't be right. Yeah, of course. And, and uh, so he, he went into like this long diatribe about how Bitcoin can't work because at the, at the regulatory, at the, the level of law, like who's going to enforce like ownership of Bitcoin. I said, I tried to explain to him like Bitcoin, the protocol is the judge, the jury executioner. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it is enforcing that contract law. And that's very hard for people to, to comprehend is that it can be encapsulated within the protocol due to the private public key. Totally. Um, cryptography. Totally. And, and, and I think that's exactly the same kind of person that Catherine, for example, represents. Is that she's been so indoctrinated into believing that we need some sort of institutionalization or governance structure in order to enforce contract law and private property. They just can't fathom how private public key cryptography or the Bitcoin network itself can just deliver that without all the waste. Like, <laughs> and, and that's the, that's the, that's the real innovation for Bitcoin for me. It's like, oh, 
okay, I shouldn't say the real, like one of the, the big innovations is, um, is this elimination of wastage because credit where credit's due, we were not gonna get to Bitcoin without first discovering fiat. It's not like we're gonna go from gold and then all of a sudden stumble onto Bitcoin. This is just not how it works. Like this is kind of the progression. And that's one of the things I wanted to make clear in this article is like, we're, we're evolving into Bitcoin. And as part of evolving into Bitcoin, we're gonna have to live through clown show because <laughs> we, we've built institution upon institution upon institution in a bid to try and make cooperation more feasible than plunder. Like, and that, that's the original intent of all institutions, whether it, you know, going back to the church, whether it's like, you know, the Hammurabi's law, whether it's, you know, the Magna Carta, whatever it is, like all of these attempts, like kings, monarchs, etc., have all been attempts at trying to, in some way, shape or form, incentivize cooperation over plunder. Um, but because they've all been um, institutions run by man, mm -hmm. they always end up devolving in the end. And they're fallible. Correct. And they, they, it, we, you know, go into this whole cycle theory, right? Like we're always into cycles because the thing always decays. And Bitcoin kind of snaps that. And it, it does away with all of that excess mess. So, so coming back to the, the previous arc that we were discussing around energy and energy, actual, actual energy usage. So first of all, we're wasting all this energy in order to enable human beings on the planet to cooperate because it's so necessary because if we can't cooperate, we don't have anything, right? So, so we waste all this energy. Bitcoin could make that orders of magnitude and I think m multiple orders of magnitude more efficient, first of all, just do away with all the fucking shit. And all those people who are like bankers and you know sales representatives for Amex and Visa and all that, they, they can go do something useful like paint or fucking grow some food or something, right? Like <laughs> yes. so many other things that they could do. Um, they could be engineers. Imagine like the, the amount of untapped intellectual capital that sits in all of that that is just holding together this useless it's it's making b lookups in excel to literally yeah to, to amend the uh, the ledger of a visa mastercard and all this stuff wild so we've got that and then the other area of wastage and this is um more about like uh the austrian econ idea of uh screwing up the signal the pricing signal screws up Decision-making screws up action, screws up value judgment, basically. It perturbs opportunity cost to a point where the ripple effects are profound across society. Exactly. And, and that's why I always, like, I use the meme of we're not solving real problems. Like, there's people dying of starvation. You know, we, we can't feed 7 billion people at all. Like, we've got, we, we're, we're fumbling all over the place. But innovation today is I put a digital signature on a JPEG or I, you know, built another dick pic app um, or I'm, you know, fucking building another trading app on Wall Street. It's like, how is any of this a problem that needs to be solved? Like in comparison to what real problems need to be solved. So it's like, we're wasting all resources again into like basically malinvestment, right? Yes. So, so that, that's a significant uh, amount of waste. Then you have, I mean, not to mention the last few years of like this ridiculous scandemic like i mean i don't know how much you've flown over the last couple of years uh probably not as much as you but enough to uh become so infuriated that i i want to tear down the airline industry and dude build my own i we you buy american airlines i'll buy southwest <laughs> 50 million sats that's my price tag it's Seriously, in 10 years, that's my price tag, 50 at, million sets. At 1031, we're looking to invest in uh, Bitcoin Airlines, so please 
Somebody go build one. Giddy up. All right. I will be. That's my next project. <laughs> um, so the, the example I was going to use there is like, again, walk through an airport. All of a sudden, every second chair, every second urinal, every second bathroom, every second thing is taped up with police tape to protect you somehow. Um, but no, no one stops and asks like, how much resources and energy needed to be used up and ripped out of the ground to build that, that now we're like enforcing that it's not to be used. It's like, fuck is wrong with you people? And then on top of that, like how much was used to, to build that tape that's not allowing you to use that? <laughs> <You're just laughs> on top of it. You're just compounding it. I, mean, I was walking back from uh, the playground with my son and a friend earlier this week. And we counted like three masks on the ground on the way back. What's the fuck? Like, Literal pollution. So, so we've got all of this basically. So coming back to the energy and carrying capacity and everything. We need to not use less energy. We need to use the energy we're harnessing more efficiently. So the focus needs to be not on minimizing energy usage, but minimizing wastage. Yes. And that's effectively what Bitcoin does across multiple dimensions. First of all, through eliminating the wastage that is required in order to hold together a monetary and a payment system. Then by giving us sound money so that we make better value judgments and we allocate resources more effectively. Then by removing the power from moronic bureaucrats to dictate what we can and cannot do with our resources, thereby using them more effectively and more efficiently. So it's like across every single dimension, what ends up happening is instead of us wasting 90, 95, 99, I don't know how much energy we're wasting. We actually utilize it. And I mean, if any of these guesses of how much wastage we have are in any way accurate, we're feeding a billion or 2 billion people roughly and partially feeding the other 5 billion with that much wastage. Think if we didn't waste that, dude, Things like world hunger and all that sort of stuff. Like, and, and I don't mean to sound utopian. That's not the point here. It's like we we can solve so much more with that. I completely agree. I mean, we a, being in the Bitcoin mining industry, I mean, you see it, the, the energy utilization aspect of Bitcoin from, at a first order effect directly, mm -hmm. right? Because you're literally using like waste energy, whether it be wasted natural gas, whether it be excess uh, electricity is being generated and not being used because there's not enough demand for it on the grid. Like that is energy utilization turned into sats, uh, which is productive economic activity that could be created, like creates a UTXO that could be, <laughs> it's basically memorialized in the ledger into mm -hmm. perpetuity. Mm -hmm. It could be passed along. Like mm -hmm. you, you take that energy and you memorialize it in UTXO, it gets passed. You can use that UTXO as an input that creates another, but that energy is being, again, memorialized throughout the ledger for the rest of history, which is a crazy example of utilization and efficiency. That's the first order effect. Second order effect, too, like miners think about it, like from an economic perspective, from a business perspective, they're driven to be profitable. And they're already thinking like Bitcoin mining is profitable enough if your electricity costs are low, but then there's a lot of heat produced. What can I, what the hell can I do with this heat? This heat is energy. Like, like um, I don't want to waste any of it. Like I want to eke out as much revenue as possible. There's revenue outside of the block reward, and it can be, and it is produced by the heat that that these miners produce. Like, okay, let me funnel that into a greenhouse where I can make 
some things. Maybe I can heat a house. Maybe I can heat a water cooler um, or a water heater. Replace my water heater mm-hmm, with like mm-hmm, minor. Mm-hmm. Dude, at every level, yeah. it drives. So, so me and Mark Moss just finished writing a book, and I think I mentioned it to you um, when we were at dinner the other week. Yeah, um, you guys did a sprint, right? We did a sprint, yeah. yeah. We did a sprint and the, the Uncommunist Manifesto. And, and in there, we, it's, um, it's hilarious. Um, but in there, we made the point that, so, so I, I, I took some time actually in the beginning of the book to like lay out some definitions because I thought that was really important to like just say, hey, look, here's some definitions of things. And I I basically tried to frame capitalism through the, through the lens of uh, evolution or evolutionary biology and say that, um, so I defined forcing functions. And in capitalism, the forcing function, there's two forcing functions, it's efficacy and efficiency. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's what drives you in capitalism is because, you know, the capital is the time, energy and resources that you have. And what do you want to do if you're actually like an organic capitalist is you want to make the most use of that. You don't want to waste it. And again, what is capital? It's time, energy and resources. So, you know, the most environmentally friendly thing you can do, the most intelligent thing you can do, the most economically viable thing you can do, the most moral thing you can do is to utilize it in the most efficient and effective way possible. And what you're describing there with like miners and the first order uh, effects and the second order and et cetera, is the forcing function of efficacy and efficiency embodied, right? You're yes. thinking all of a sudden, what can I, what else can I do with this that eliminates wastage or minimizes wastage as much as possible? That doesn't exist in the fiat system. In fact, the fiat system is opposite. It's like, you know, if your Visa or MasterCard or, you know, or, or the government, let's just use more so the government. It's like your idea is to like create more jobs so that like you you fuck up the system and you make it more bureaucratic and more wasteful and it like you bloat. It's it's actually the opposite of. Yeah, and it bleeds into like startup culture too. Like you have a, you raise a bunch of capital, you have a burn rate and you have growth at all costs. Like growth, 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 not thinking about efficacy, utilization, efficiency. Totally. It's just like get as big as possible as quickly as possible and hope that you can go public and cash out. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's a racket, man. It's such a, it's such a, such a rat race racket that we've, uh, that we need to sort of decondition ourselves from. There was something I wanted to say also about the mining that, um, fuck, that I kind of lost my train of thought here. It's like the, the forcing functions. What? Oh, oh actually, yeah. It's the the whole ESG narrative and the renewable energy narrative and everything. Like th- th- this is some one thing that I must commend you for, and I fucking love that you have been one of the few Bitcoiners, at least in my mind, that are that are quite prominent. That have been like, no, fuck you, we're not moving into your Overton window. Like I hate when I read these articles of like, oh, but we use renewable energy. It's like fuck you, just stop <laughs> moving into their Overton window. Like that is like literally. It's doing what Joe Rogan did is like, oh, I'm sorry for yeah. blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, Bitcoin, even if every bit of Bitcoin mining was from fucking burning wood, it would still be more efficient than anything the legacy financial system can deliver as a payments and monetary system. Yes. So it doesn't matter how wasteful it is, but you know, all of these things like how much renewable or whatever, blah, 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 like they're all nice to haves and, and they're all things that if it makes economic sense, will do but fundamentally that's not the that's not the battlefield of this argument this the battlefield of this argument is like 
the elimination of the incredible amount of bureaucratic waste that sits in between um, the fiat system to enable it to function versus Bitcoin's direct conversion of electricity into money. Yes. Not only into money, into a ledger that keeps track into of a ledger, money. Exactly. Yeah. And all that. Like, again, thank you for your kind words, but I, and I will never stop fighting the ESG narrative because it is, Please. it's communistic. Like, it's, it's literally an attempt. And people are like, it's not communist. It's like, no, it's they, worse want, than they want to give you a social credit score and dictate, <laughs> they want to micromanage what you can buy and sell throughout the economy. Like, it is, it's, it's an overtaking of industry in a perverse and sly, it's a sly roundabout way to, to take over industry. Um, like, like Bitcoin's a sly roundabout way to take back the money. Yeah. And it's, it's a battle and Bitcoin miners out there. I will, I, I will keep hammering you. Stop catering to the ESG freaks. Uh, you're like, oh, that's the only way we get capital. It's not true. There are capital providers out there that, um, that are pretty based and understand the importance of energy and it's tight correlation to human flourishing. So, it's a battle, though. It's easy for people to, to give into that stuff. There's a lot of feels. Yeah. Um, people like, and again, like I, I went on the rant the other day, like Elizabeth Warren's like, I need information from six of the top Bitcoin miners. Like, no, don't, like, why do you, why do you, like, why? What for? Who are you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why, why do you feel the need to appease this woman? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That, that's, that ties into like all sorts of things like, you know, frame and everything else. But it's like, it really is, I think, most battles are won and lost well before the battle begins. And what happens before the battle begins is the selection of the field, the, the battlefield, basically. Yeah, Sun Tzu, man. Like, it's, it's, it, and that's what I worry about, like Bitcoin miners in America specifically. Bitcoin miners, Bitcoin mining is going to be fine. I, mean, I just can see a lot of American miners, North American miners, making a lot of strategic mistakes, not understanding the battlefield they're stepping on and they're going to lose on. Like, it's never going to be good enough for you. Never. Yeah. <laughs> it's, they're never, nothing you do is ever going to be good enough for these people. Results. They don't care about the environment. They care about controlling you. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's like, no matter what you do, they're going to just want more and more and more and more and more and more. There's no, there's no appeasing them. Like they, I, I mean, how much more evidence does one need? It was two weeks to flatten the curve. Then it was this, <laughs> then it was that. Then it's like, you know, first it was uh, apologize for the N-word. Then it's like apologize for having a podcast. Then it's like every single time you kowtowed to these monkeys, the same thing happens. Yeah, yeah. At some point, like, it's going to get to a point where it's laughable, where they know they can just like keep uh, pushing you down down a path. You're going to be like, all right, you want to keep your Bitcoin mining operation, you have to wear a thong to work every day. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Get to that point of It'll like, be a troll. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. Your, your underwear is too big. You got you to gotta wear a thong. And I mean, this this kind of reminds me once again of, I mean, I always like to quote Ayn Rand's work, but it, it reminds me of the, the and, and this is why I also believe that this is a pandemic. Not, not I'm not talking about the pandemic in general, but I'm talking about broadly speaking, everything that's wrong in the world is a pandemic of incompetence yes. because you have this, this desire by basically midwits and brainlets to control the uncontrollable. So, so, so that, that's literally what it is. Well, it's, it's, well, it's hilarious because it's incompetence matched with hubris. Yeah. Which is it, yeah. just like, 
about as dumb as you can get. Yes. It's like literally a bunch of, um, uh, what's the dude that jumped off with the wax wings? Um, uh, Icarus. Icarus, yeah. So it's a bunch of Icaruses running around. And because they've basically stumbled into democracy, you know, that, that kind of um, model of, um, of organization emerged because it gave, like Frederick Bastiat's work is incredible. Have you read The Law? Yes, yeah, yes. It's, dude, it's, it's a so, short read. Short read. I recommend everyone, like, and, and actually it's, it's free on Audible. Like if you've got an Audible thing, like you get the two hour version. Um, and so it's free there. But it's, um, you know, he, he talks about like, the, the law needs to be limited to one thing and one thing only, which is the preservation of private property. As soon as it's expanded outside of that, what it does is it leaks into the realm of plunder, what we were talking before. And what all democracy did was it just gave everyone some form of legitimization to put, you know, to use their voice to try and extend the law beyond just the preservation of their own private property. So it kind of like, put everyone's hand in everyone else's pocket, right? Yes. And in that kind of a model, what ends up happening is someone needs to be the representative of the collective voice. And we've transformed society into this basically rule of the comp sorry, rule of the competent by the incompetent, basically. And and we seem to be, you know, in this never ending cycle of like rewarding the Icaruses of the world who want to project like who, who want to basically transform every complex system into a linear system that they can plug into an Excel spreadsheet and basically say, this is it. So the economy is a linear system, you know, push these numbers and then that's the line that you're going to get. The human body, you know, jab it here and there, pump it a couple of drugs and that's that's what you're going to get. Like uh, society, you know, pop some votes here, do this, and then that's what you're going to get. It's like ESG, same thing. It's like all of these are kind of like this mindless, stupid attempt at controlling everything. And I guess if the definition of evil is the attempt to control the uncontrollable, then I would give them the category of evil. But I actually think they transcend evil. They are just so incredibly stupid that they think that without them there to control it, that somehow everything's going to evaporate. Fall apart. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's again, it's like the hubris of another kind. And like, how did we get this incompetent? I guess that's the question. Uh, like, nobody can think critically. Nobody can think for themselves. Or, or I think we can think of ourselves. And even I'm guilty of, of falling herd mentality in some capacities uh, every once in a while. But like, how have we gotten humanity to a point where very few people are able to critically think? Maybe has humanity been like this for its whole existence? I don't know. I think there... it's, it's always a step-by-step -step thing, man. Like it's the, it's, it's the, it's the Nazi prison guard argument. Mm -hmm. It's like you, you know, you, if, if you're sort of on, on this path and then you come to a slight fork in the road at the point of the fork, the differentiation between behavior is minuscule. It's, it's basically unnoticeable. It's a light nudging. Exactly. And then all of a sudden, you know, you take it out a year, two years, five years, 10 years, and you're, you're, you're in a completely different destination. And that's the, when I did in uh, Bitcoin Times Edition 3, actually I wrote this uh, piece called Utopian Dystopias. And in there I tried to make the argument that, you know, th there is no sort of grand plan by lizards behind a, you know, 
a red veil, like to try and control everything. It's like, everyone actually has a conspiracy. You and I have a conspiracy. Everyone's got a conspiracy. Everyone's conspiring in some way, shape or form. Um, and it's impossible for there to be one dominant conspiracy that runs everything. But what happens is that, how can, I want to tie this into this idea of entropy, which is the tendency to want to do nothing and get something for free or, to, or, or the ease of like bringing something down than lifting something up, right? It's easier to destroy than it is to build. So, so all these sort of tendencies toward entropy exist. And what ends up happening when we take the steps, like when we sort of invert our values and say, okay, you know, comfort's more important than growth or like safety is more important than freedom and all this sort of stuff. When those slight value adjustments occur, step by step by step, you know, you start moving down the path of justifying ever more weird behavior in order to maintain an inverted values hierarchy, which is out of line with nature, right? So like in nature, nothing is safe, right? Um, no. But we've tried to like create this veneer of safety and in, in doing it, we've, um, we've actually eroded, for example, freedom. Like we've eroded growth because they get pushed down the hierarchy. And we've arguably made people less safe and more unhealthy. Again, as, again, as somebody who's, the son is about to be two, another one on the way, um, but particularly about my son, like, thank God we moved to Texas. And even when the pandemic was in full tilt, lockdowns were in full tilt, and we were in the Northeast, we lived on a small island. We didn't mask ourselves. We didn't mask him, obviously. Um, and I, he's still, let me just be like honest with you, he was like a little behind on speech stuff. And, mm. But there are people, like kids, three, like a year older than them, that were forced to wear a mask and were locked down in in heavy masked areas that are having legitimate development issues like their their jaws aren't even mm -hmm. forming correctly they i can't, read that the other day yeah they can't they can't enunciate they can't they don't know that they need to put their tongue on the back of their teeth to, to make the t sound like they they can't their lips are so chapped from uh, the moisture that's created from wearing a mask that they can't bring their lips together to do an m or an n or something like that like that, uh, like, you think about the the compounding negative externalities that come from fucking up child development at that age. Like, that's going to have effects a decade, two decades from now. Like, these kids are set back at the most important time of level. their development. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, dude. It's this is again. What you know? What what I? I, I think it actually reinforces the point where it doesn't even need a conspiracy to describe. It's like, it's an attempt. Like I, I, I meet people all the time. Who genuinely, genuinely think like it's the only way you can be safe is you have to do that. Like, you know, I go to the, I've been to the markets twice uh, here in Texas on a Sunday and I see people masking up their kids, walking around like, in the in the market, so so it's like they're not part of the lizards, you know, behind the curtain, you know, making plans. They're people living in Texas that see everyone else not wearing a mask, but they're still dumb enough to believe that. And it all comes from this like internal desire for, I guess, conforming or valuing safety more than 
uh, growth, like for, for, for all that sort of stuff. So when you, when you invert all those weird values and, and you kind of believe like you've been indoctrinated enough in school to believe that somehow when you, when like you can, from an isolationist standpoint, you can change something. Like again, even modern medicine, all this sort of stuff, like, you know, something's wrong with the body, cut it out, you know, or jab it with something or like give it a pill and like bombard it or something like that. It's like versus a holistic approach to allow the body to rebalance itself. Like it's, it's such a difference in thinking, but it's, we don't know, like we, we think we fix one problem and we create a hundred other problems. Yeah. And then the other hundred other problems, we have to find somebody else to blame because it's like, oh, well, it wasn't me, you know, because I was just fixing this problem. So like I had to keep my kids safe. So I put a mask on him, but now my kid's fucking retarded, can't speak, can't, you know, drools all over himself. You know, that's going to create what other problems, like the kid can't fucking speak, he's going to feel inferior to other kids. And like fucking kid's going to become a serial killer and then they're going to blame it on him. But, you know, you kind of flow it back. There's this dumbass attempt to try and keep your kids safe from something that they were never going to get sick from in the first place. So it's like, th these are the ripple effects that I think these linear thinkers just don't think about. Well, it's even more fucked up. It's like, it wasn't even like, it got to a point where they admitted like, oh, no, we know the kids aren't going to get it, but we need to protect the old people. It's like, yeah, so you're going to- Sacrifice the young Sacrifice the, the young for the old. It's fucking disgusting. And- It's pathetic, bro. It's, but like, people get pissed. Like, that's part of the reason I had to move to Texas. Because I like- I love my family to death, love my friend group to death, but they're they're all like, you're crazy. Like you're you're a fucking conspiracy theorist, yeah. asshole. Like yeah. it's like, no, you are fucking up generations of people. You're fucking up the economy. Like, look at it right now. Look what's going on. Look at inflation. Mm -hmm. Highest uh underreported inflation probably by like three X and it's still the highest print in 40 years, which is <laughs> <laughs> like they, they can't take any more out of the bloody equation to like keep it covered up. Like shit, what are we gonna take out now to like keep the figures good? Yeah. Oh, I'm getting hopefully this last two years and where we are now is like a massive wake up call. I mean, again, we talked about Canada, things are happening up there. Like hopefully parents specifically, hopefully you're you're beginning to realize after two years of this, if your kids are behind developmentally, that that is enough to like jar you awake. Like, okay, we need to figure something out. Like hopefully the connection a parent has with their child is strong enough to, to shake people out of this. I hope. I The reason I'm, I think the, the clown show is going to go on and probably get worse. Uh, I know. I should never have called a clown roll top. I'm sorry for it. Yeah. Um, there's two things they've still got up their sleeve, right? Um, the the idiots who believe that they can control the uncontrollable. I think there's the debt jubilee and UBI. They're the two big things. Why are Bitcoiners talking about UBI? Bro, that made me piss me off the other day, man. Like, it's literally impossible with Bitcoin. Like, you can't redistribute. You can't force me to sign a private key to redistribute my Sats too. Anyone. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't it literally doesn't make sense. So I think the conversation should just, just be a mute point. It it's another one of those like kowtowing to like a, a nice sounding thing. It's like, oh, we need UBI. Like it's um Well that's the thing, like people think we need UBI because everything's so poor. Like like we described, like imagine if we 
untap the intellectual capital that's trapped in this energy waste. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like that's what the Luddites thought. The Luddites thought that like, oh, the factories are here. Nobody's going to be able to work. We like wages are going to work. Like, like, no, you just unleash like intellectual capital on like the world has ever seen. Thank you. We, we are suffering from the greatest pandemic of Ludditism like ever. We, we, all we've done is we've, um, we, there was like a couple thousand Luddites in the 1800s. Now there's billions of Luddites. That's all that's happened. And it was kind of like democracy gave them a voice. And now we have a million of, a billion of them uh, who somehow have so little faith in the human capacity for, I don't know, feeding yourself if you're hungry, sheltering if you're, so, sheltering yourself if you're cold. Like it's like humans can't do that. I mean- but they're somehow intelligent enough to vote for someone who can actually do that for them. It's like such a, <laughs> wow. It's, uh, it's, it's a lot of logical inconsistencies in that, that line of thinking. Complete mindlessness. So, so yeah, it's, um, how do we get onto Luddites? Mm, UBI. Yeah, UBI, that's right. So, so it's, it's the same thing. It's like, okay, if, if we don't give people money, they won't know how to subsist for themselves. But like, not, notwithstanding like the, the economic problem of it, like of you start giving away free money, first of all, like who's going to pay for it? And then second of all, like what's going to happen to the base price of goods and services? Like, again, don't fuck with the complex system. But I think the more pernicious problem with UBI, and this is why I think it's fundamentally evil, is if your basic subsistence is dependent on my handout, I fucking own you. Yeah. Simple as that. Like I own you, if, if your basic income, it's in the words, if your basic income, your capacity to survive, your capacity to feed yourself is completely dependent on my handout, you will do whatever I want you to do. Yes. And then beyond that, like UBI, people, people's rationalization for it, but there's just some people just aren't smart. Some people just don't have the will. They can't do it. They're not, they don't have the capacity to, like, again, how defeatist is that? Like, how anti-human is Correct. that? That's like spitting on someone, <laughs> right? It, so, 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 it, like, it's it's a it's an exact so, so yeah, you know it's these leftists literally in in a in a single phrase they say, oh, but you know everyone's good at something, but simultaneously they say some people are not good at anything. <laughs> yeah, everyone's special. Yeah, yeah, but Nobody, they're useless. Yeah, yeah, it's. Ah, yeah, we're in the thick of it. We're in the thick, like we're like we're in the thick of this inflection point where the volatility and the confusion is very high, and that's why I think it's going to get worse. Because as the um, I, I think what's happened at the moment is kind of like picture you're in a spaceship, and you know it's just gone through like an asteroid belt and. You know, there's like a bunch of damage that's been done, but we're still on, you know, the, the air systems and everything are still working, but like, you know, the, the reactor is like breaking down or something like that. So, so a bunch of damage has been done and significant damage in the last two years, significant, significant damage. And I think a bunch of things are going to happen in the coming years as shit starts to unravel and collapse that is going to create such a demand for um, UBI, for debt jubilees, for, you know, all that sort of stuff that 
I think we might have, we, we might be kind of in the eye of the storm at the moment. Damn it. Yeah. This Which, is what the eye of the storm looks like? Yeah. Thank God I'm in Texas. Thank God I got down here during the eye of the storm. Dude. I, yeah, I, I hate to be a doomsday guy, man, but I, I just can't think of like, you know, to reference the piece again, like I've got a part in there called the great transition um, where I try and say that, look, we're going to have like everything before Bitcoin has been this attempt to use institution and law to maintain some sort of private property right in order to incentivize cooperation and disincentivize plunder, right? So, so that's basically the entire history of humanity has been an attempt to do that. And considering the tools we've had, we've done an okay job. Like we're still here, you know, so we, we've, we've actually done good. Um, but the, the damage is, or, or the downside is that every tool that we've had has been quite low fidelity. Like, you know, gold's not very useful, blah, 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 blah. So we've, you know, we've had these cycles and, that's fine. After Bitcoin is a very different thing because you you know you kind of eliminate all the cycles on a post Bitcoin but post hyper Bitcoin as well because behavior and value judgments have a consequence and have a cost. Um, there is no way to socialize poor behavior. Um, the The feedback loop is almost instant. Um, so all of a sudden, behavior is on a much tighter leash. You know you you can behave like a retard, but all of a sudden you're impoverishing yourself and there's no way to kind of cover it up. So things really look completely different on a post-hyper-Bitcoinized uh, standard. But the part that's going to look different to both is the interregnum, right? The, the transition phase. And my fear is that the transition is quite, it's quite ugly. And it's, it's the, it's the idea of the, the night is darkest before the dawn. Right? Mm -hmm. um, and this is what I think we need to intellectually prepare ourselves for, is that we need, we need to think, first of all, like, and this is what I hope the piece does, is that first of all, I hope it inspires people to think bigger about what Bitcoin means. It's, it's not just the fucking asset that you trade. Like, you know, j just because Bitcoin's first 10 or 20 years are going to look like a tradable asset, holy fuck, like this thing's going to be around for a thousand years, the 10,000 years, whatever it's going to be around. Like, it is so much more important and impactful than just trading it, you know, on fucking Binance. Like, <laughs> which wow. you shouldn't be doing. Which you shouldn't be doing, exactly. Um, so, so I want people to think bigger about what the impact of basically tying human action and the metaphysical game of the economy we play to reality, like you know, tying those two together, what, what implications does that have? But also a warning to help people realize that, hey, the, the clown show has to get worse before it gets better because things are fundamentally broken. And I don't know how we avoid that other than being, I guess, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually prepared for it first and then starting to use that um, preparedness to, to structure some sort of communities, et cetera, to get through the transition phase. Yes. I want to accelerate it as fast as possible. Like I, I agree. Like things are going to get, things are pretty bad. I'm always like, oh, fuck, how much worse can they get? But like, if they're going to get worse, all right, let's just get it out. Let's rip the bandaid off. Like ex accelerate. Um, how long do you think the transition takes? 
I don't know. So, so to your point about acceleration, actually. So here's a question. And, and I battle with this one a lot is if, th think of it as, um, if you remember doing calculus um, or integration, <laughs> right? Yes. Um, so you've got like, uh, so you've got a curve and you want to have the area of the curve, mm -hmm. right? I think the transition is either going to be short and really deep um, or long and kind of more shallow. Mm -hmm. The area is probably going to be similar in the end, yes. like so the amount of damage, but it's either going to have to take longer and, you know, be more managed. Um, so for example, we build a larger Noah's Ark, right? And mm. more people get on and et cetera. And we can, we can minimize the amount of damage, but we just have to bear through another two, three, four decades of stupidity. Or we do the rip the bandaid off and it gets really fucking bad. Like fucking people stealing each other's shit and killing each other. It's like complete fucking chaos. But we kind of rip the bandaid and we climb out of that very quickly. Um, and then we're, you know, start moving on another side. So I don't know what's better. I don't know what's better. It's a tough one. I don't know either. I don't know either. I mean, the former sounds better. Like, the, the long and protracted? I mean, it's suffering so that less people die seems to be more. Suffering for a longer period of time as an individual so that less people die seems to be, who knows what's virtuous, but it would suck, but. Yeah, but then it's like, yeah, it's my life. Like I only have so much time on this mm, earth. Like, mm. It's really tough, man. Yeah. Um, so, so, th and th this is the thing. It's like, what we can't do is we can't fall into the trap of the the linear incompetent thinkers who think that there is no trade off for any decision, right? Like, and 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 I mean, the decision of how long the clown show lasts is not really a decision that we're going to make. It's just something that is going to emerge and. Yes. Like it's an emergent phenomenon. So for us, what we just need to appreciate is that no matter which one happens um, or whatever spectrum it, it ends up on, you know, maybe it's a 10-year transition, maybe it's a five-year transition, maybe it's a 20-year transition. Each version has its pros and cons. So if, you know, if it is going to last longer, then we need to um, basically steal ourselves to – then it's a then it's a endurance run, right? Mm -hmm. It's not a sprint anymore. Um, so we need to steal ourselves, and we need to really spend time stealing our children because they're going to have to grow up in like peak fucking clown world, and we definitely don't want them to become fucking retarded um, by the time they've grown up and they're twenty year olds, and they're like, "What the fuck's going on?" So it's like, you know, we, we've got a, a, a different set of responsibilities if it looks like it's going to last longer. Mm -hmm. if, it look, if it looks like it's going to be short and sharp, we have a different level of responsibility, and um, and we need to adapt to that more than thinking that we can somehow uh, control or influence to any major degree how shallow and long or deep and sharp it's going to be. Yeah, just be mentally prepared for all outcomes. Yeah, yeah, and and adapt as you go. And yes. and I think that is um that's where the dimension of the discussion should be. Less on what can we do to Stop it. It's like, what what can you do to, you know, get a heroin junkie off heroin? It's like, get him off the fucking heroin. That's what you got to do. And he's got to go through the withdrawals. Mm -hmm. And it's either going to be like a slow withdrawal, um, but that has a cost. It's got to be a quick withdrawal. That has a cost. Yeah. <sighs> Fuck, we're getting heavy.
Let's go back to the piece. Okay. <laughs> One thing I wanted to ask you particularly too, because uh, uh, again, like you think bigger, like you, like you just said, what got us here is like, think bigger. Like don't think about this 10, 20 year period from here forward where Bitcoin just traded as an asset. Like it is much bigger than that. And you're comparing it to fire, mm-hmm. which obviously affected humanity in, in ways in which is almost hard to comprehend. Mm-hmm. Many people want to compare Bitcoin to something like the invention of the wheel, the invention of the printing press, the invention of the internet, the steam engine. Mm-hmm. However, you're saying it's much bigger than that in this piece. At least that's, I think, like it's bigger than the internet. It's bigger than the printing press, more important than the wheel mm-hmm. or the steam engine. Mm-hmm. Like it's fire. It's more fundamental mm-hmm. of a change. Yep. I know it's a big assertion. I mean, look, it's, it's a thought experiment. I don't know how accurate what I'm saying is, um, and, you know, we, we could argue for, for decades to say, oh, yeah, but what's more important, what's not more important. Um, the reason I think it sits in the realm of a discovery like fire is that it actually, um, and I mean, you could argue that, you know, the printing press and everything changed our behavior and changed how we operate and everything, but it's like, for me, it's like an inflection point. Like it's it's a, it's an apex discovery, right? So if we look at civilization, and we said this earlier, civilization is a function of um, harnessing more energy and utilizing more energy and kind of the, the more energy we use, the larger civilization kind of like fills that, um, the, the quote that you read by Vaclav, like, you know, energy broadens and civilization broadens in line with it. Now, Fire for, and I encourage everyone just to go back and read the articles because in there I kind of dis- discuss how fire is actually, I think, what transformed us into sentient beings. Like we're, we're here because of fire and how we discovered it and all that sort of stuff you know, is beyond anyone's ability to identify, decipher or comprehend. But, you know, the the, the argument is that we, life or evolution experiment with bipedalism basically which is a more energy efficient mode of movement um but what cemented bipedalism as a successful experiment was fire so as we 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 became bipedal we used less energy that started to push um available energy in the body to the brain and it gave us use of our hands and I think there's strong correlation. I, need, I want to do more reading on this. This is an area that I really want to deep dive into. But I think the reason we actually are conscious is because we have hands. Huh. I think there's a big relationship between the two. It's because the, the hands, and, and think about how this relates also to feedback in economies, is like through the hands, we are able to feel, touch, taste, do stuff with the world that no other fucking animal can do. No other animal can do that. Um, so it, I think, drove our ability to, like, it, it, it forced our brain to grow in a way that other species were not able to. And that is how we ended up being able to reproduce fire. And then fire then shortened our intestinal tract and then drove more energy into the brain. And then the brain gets to a point where it reaches a critical threshold of interconnected neurons. And then I believe consciousness emerges from that. So that's my working theory at the moment, um, which I need to validate from some more reading. Yeah, I mean, the <clears throat> your intuition with the hands or your 
inclination with hands leading to, I mean, yeah, you're literally man with his hands forms nature into um, an idea in his, that is incepted in his brain, right? Fuck yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a deep, 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 deep fucking thought. So encourage people to go down that rabbit hole. So bipedalism, experiment, fire solidifies that experiment. We transform into homo sapiens. And then the thing that enables us then to really proliferate is the ability to cooperate. Again, and what we discussed earlier and cooperation, the, 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 the tool of cooperation is, is and has always been and will always be money. And the only thing that's changed is the, the form the money's come in. First it was, we used our memory for money. Then we used drawings on a fucking rock. You know, then we used rocks. We used all sorts of stuff. And basically, if you look at history, the more, um, the better the money got, the more complex the cooperation became. The more complex the cooperation became, the more uh, abstracted and functional the civilization became. So it's like you can trace the evolution of money to the evolution of civilization. Simple as that. Now, this is why I think Bitcoin is so much bigger than everything else is that it, this entire period of us from like transforming into sentient species who can cooperate to hyper-Bitcoinization is the process of actually reaching peak perfect money. So, so I'm calling Bitcoin now um, an apex invention or an apex discovery because Bitcoin's both an invention and a discovery, right? It, it, is, the, it is the perfect money. So, so we've actually finally reached the point where we've either stumbled onto, created, whatever the fuck you want to call it, perfect money that the metaphysical notion of what money is, is this, this ability to store the product of one's labor and exchange it with somebody, has maps perfectly to use Jordan Peter-esque idea, like the map fits the territory perfectly. Mm -hmm. And it is like, it's maximum fidelity. Like there's, there's, you can't get more efficient than transforming electricity directly into money in a ledger. Um, you can't get more efficient than moving it at the speed of light. Like it is perfect. Like you can't get a better store of value than a fixed money supply because this is again, I've, I'm, I'm on a rampage now trying to redefine the term store of value. It's got nothing to do with um, price. It's even got nothing to do with purchasing power. Store value has everything to do with knowing my proportion in relationship to the whole. Uh, yes. If I have one twenty-one millionth, I have a perfect store of value in Bitcoin because I know it's always going to be one twenty-one millionth now in a hundred years and a thousand years and a million years. So it's like, it's perfect store of value. It's a perfect medium exchange. Medium exchange has nothing to do with transactional throughput. It has everything to do with, and the ability of the individual to exchange something without the permission or requirement of a third party. Bitcoin is perfect again. No one can stop me from sending you some sats. Perfect there. And the unit of account one, I've thought about this and I've had a recent epiphany on this is like, people are like, oh yeah, but Bitcoin's not a unit of account yet. And I'm like, it actually is also the perfect unit of account because we have never known, like if you think about money and all goods, services, products, and everything as a ledger, like they're, they're half, money's the, you know, the other half of everything. We've actually never been able to ascertain how much money there is in order to measure everything else, to account for everything else. So Bitcoin's actually a perfect unit of account because for the first time in history, we know how much 
money there is in total. Yeah. You can account for everything. So it's a perfect unit of account. The fact that it's divisible makes adds utility to this unit of account, but the fact that it's fixed makes that incredibly powerful. It's the most important part. Right. And even to those who are like, oh, Bitcoin isn't a unit account yet. Like number one, like you're not going to get all this out of the box. And number two, it depends on who you talk to. Like it's my unit of account. Like my goal exactly. is to stack as many sats as possible. And so you weigh the opportunity to cost so many sats. Does this cost? And is it worth it? Like, should I be stacking sats instead of buying this? And that's my unit of account. Like, where are we here? The, the sats per dollar price uh-huh, is enough, uh-huh. but it usually is on this clock. The, it's like, I think in sat streams, like, all right, how, like right now, I get pleasure knowing that I have miners running somewhere in mm-hmm. this country that are a slush pool finds a block. I get some sats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People are listening to this podcast using podcasting 2.0, streaming sats. Yeah. Like, my only unit of account is do I have more Bitcoin? Like if my wealth is growing, I know that I'm, I've, my wealth growing is do I have more sats today than I had yesterday? It's the only measure I, like, I can't even think anymore about like a do- dollar amount. Like I, I look at my net worth in the amount of, that's what Bitcoin I have. So once again, it's very similar to you. It, that is the unit of account. And it's perfect for me because I know exactly what it is. So anyway, so so if civilization can be traced along this theme of discovering better and better and better money in order to make society more complex, in order to make cooperation more functional, Bitcoin's an apex point. We're not going to get better than Bitcoin. So what ends up happening is, is for me, this, this is why I think it's just so fundamentally profound. It's like you reach this apex discovery and there's an inflection point beyond this. Um, and Bitcoin's not a little bit better than all the monies that came before it. Bitcoin is a fucking universe better than everything that is anywhere near it. Like it's, it's a, you know, kind of like, you know, an asymptote, you know, it's like it's reached that <laughs> yeah. thing and it's there. So, so for me, that is like, you know, to use Francis Fukuyama's, um, you know, thing, it's like the end of history. It's like Bitcoin truly is like post, like once we get to cross the hyper-Bitcoinization point, we are at the end of history as we've known it. And we are at a new stage of human evolution. Yes, I mean, just think about, what we're going to do as a human civilization, we don't have to worry about money like, in terms of like defining it. Managing it, it, issuing managing, it, yeah. fucking around with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, what, so what does this lead us to teleportation? Well, that's kind of the, the, the meme part of it is like, I don't know if it's teleportation. So someone else mentioned another one, which was um, time travel. Wouldn't that be the peak discovery? I'm like, I don't fucking know what comes after Bitcoin. Like at the end of the day, like whatever comes after it comes after it. But the, the, the point is that we don't get there without fixing the money and tying the money to some sort of um, immutable physical law of the universe, which is thermodynamics or, you know, time or whatever. Like Bitcoin seems to tie, tie into both of those. And time and thermodynamics seem to be extraordinarily linked as well anyway. So it's like, you know, one could argue that what we perceive as time is actually, um, you know, the thermodynamic decay. So it's like, I don't know, there's a lot of stuff in there and and Bitcoin seems to be inextricably tied to both of those in some deep, profound way. So, you know, beyond Bitcoin, and this is why I 
propose the new timeline. Like, you know, before Christ and, you know, after Christ is a, is a great timeline because that was a significant point in human history. But I think this is a orders of magnitude more important because not only does, you know, we've reached the apex point of being able to, um, you know, measure cooperation and code of, uh, encode the product of our labor and all that sort of stuff. And now you have, um, you know, you start to minimize wastage and you put, you know, you, you create feedback, you introduce economic consequence, you, um, you create high fidelity amongst pricing signals, you, you know, better energy. So all of these things start to align and start to fix up. Like you, you, you unlock the potential of 7 billion people, 10 billion people, 20 billion people as the human population starts to grow. Like so much profundity starts to, you know, move and transform. Private property rights are protected, not through bureaucratic institution, but through mathematics. Like all of this stuff starts to shift. And I think we get a level of flourishing that we've, we fundamentally um, can't even fathom. We yeah, exactly. We we can't even think what that might look like. And I try and make the argument in there that over multiple iterations of that, so generational iterations, I would argue that Bitcoin might even change us at a DNA level um, in in a way. And this is again, it's a it's a thought experiment, but if our behavior adapts to the environment um, and the environment is poor, our behavior will adapt, you know, in a poor fashion. I think that's what we've sort of had the rise of in particularly in the last hundred years, the rise of the fucking lemming um, and the rise of the parasite is because parasitic behavior seems to be rewarded or lemming behavior seems to be rewarded. Yeah. Middleman is a, is a very, uh, very, has been a very lucrative position in society over the last century. Exactly. Middleman, bureaucrat, representative, all, all that sort of stuff. Like, and it's, it's, a, it's a leeching um, function. But on a Bitcoin standard, and, and this kind of ties into this, I was reading an anthropological book years ago. It was like a decade or two ago. Um, and it, th- th- I remember th- this one sentence stuck with me and it's stuck with me ever since. It's this idea of why are lions majestic in their behavior and humans are not. I don't know. Lions have been at the top of the food chain for arguably a million years, more or less, whatever. So so they've act, had actually time to evolve to the point where they're in symbiosis or alignment with their environment. They don't go around fucking eating everything. Um, so they've had time to adapt and evolve into alignment with their um, position on the, on the, uh, on the food chart. So they're at the top of the, um, in, in their environment. Humans barely fucking hundred thousand years ago, like 70,000 years, we we're, you know, somewhere on the bottom half and we went all the way to the top very, very quickly. And we haven't actually evolved enough to be in alignment with our environment. So we go and fucking eat everything, use up everything, destroy everything and all this sort of stuff. I would argue that Bitcoin is actually what changes that. And over time, because you can't plunder and because the incentive is such that cooperation is more profitable and more, you know, uh, viable than plunder, you actually, your behavior starts to adapt and take that out generation after generation after generation after generation. I would argue that morality may even bake into us so that we actually get, the, the future of human beings is a more majestic version 
of Homo sapiens. So, and this is why I'm like kind of memeing it. I'm calling it Homo Bitcoinicus. Is like <laughs> I love that the, the future of humanity is a, is an individual who he doesn't have to be told this is what you do. The environment is such that his behavior is far more aligned with natural order because Bitcoin isn't doesn't impose a new environment or a new law on us. Bitcoin is actually uh, gives us a natural rail to operate within. So, so Bitcoin is like a swing back to nature. And because it, again, this ties into this idea of fusing the metaphysical and the physical by Bitcoin bringing human action and the means via which we measure uh, action and value and all that sort of stuff in line with the physical laws of nature, it then puts us in a position in which the way we operate, the way we act, the way we do things is more aligned with nature. Therefore, it is more moral because I would argue the definition of mor morality is, you know, being living in accordance and behaving in accordance with that which is kind of natural, right? So anyway, so I think there's a, there's a, there's a whole thing there which is post-Bitcoin, like, yes, we've got to get through this transition and all that sort of stuff, um, which is going to be painful, et cetera, et cetera. But like post that, what humanity transforms into is something completely unfathomable at this point. And, um, and I don't think we've, um, I don't think we think about that enough. And when you, when you look at Bitcoin through that lens, all of a sudden, like fucking Binance seems so irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> fucking shit coins seem so irrelevant. NFTs, it's like, are you fucking kidding me, bro? Like they're so aesthetically terrible. Number one, like have better aesthetics NFT people. And number two, like, so what we're talking about here, like we're getting cosmic and we're, Talking big, if people think this is too grandiose. You're you're crazy, you're insane, man. I know. <laughs> I'm never buying Bitcoin. You, you 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 utopian, like. But again, if you understand incentives and how again forcing functions, it's a forcing function. Like if you do not mm -hmm. uh, work within this incentive framework, which is incentivizing you to cooperate over plunder, then you are going to be worse off mm -hmm. and again iterations over time people are going to learn and generations are going to learn by touching the fire of exactly. not cooperating they're like all right it doesn't make sense like, I, to me it's not grandiose at all like that's actually exactly where we're going and it's so crazy that, uh, and again like we're going through the the turbulent time right now at this inflection point it's just like so frustrating like to elizabeth warren's of the world like you're a parasite you, you don't see like the innovation that Bitcoin mining is bringing to the world yet. You want to destroy it before mm -hmm. while it's in the crib, if you will. Um, and it's not in the crib, it's out of the crib. It's, there's no turning back to mm -hmm. so That's the other thing. Like how do we, there's no putting the genie back in the bottle. Bitcoin's here. And people are like, oh, Bitcoin can still die. I, I don't think so. Do you think Bitcoin could die at this point? Uh, it's, too, it's, it's too late. The, the, the problem is it's like Bitcoin can be impacted. It can be, you know, the price can be heard and all that sort of stuff. But, at this point, um, Bitcoin will win through um, a battle of attrition, basically. Oh, yeah. Bitcoin will just outlast the clown show. That's all that's going to happen. So the clown show, like, kick, scream, do whatever the fuck it wants. The problem is it's like mathematics is still going to be here tomorrow. So is physics. You know, they can cancel one plus one equals two as much as they want, but it still <laughs> equals two. And it's like, it's still there. Like, it's this thing that just fucking won't go away. Yeah, I mean, it's, so that's what I'm trying to get. It's like, it's like the 
Catherine Fitzes of the world, the Dave Columns of the world, the whoever. It's like, oh, Bitcoin's going to die and the government's going to shut down. Like, no, it's not. Like, you need to realize that quicker rather than sooner rather than later, or you and your progen, you're going to get left, not left behind, but you're going to be worse off than you otherwise would be if you come to this realization quicker. And again, people think we're cocky. They think we're arrogant. They think we're crazy. And it's like, all right, you can believe that. Like, I truly believe this. I could, and if we're wrong, I don't believe we are by any stretch of the imagination. Like, all right, we're wrong. But like, if we're right, It'd be much better off than you are. And again, it may sound cocky, it may sound hubristic, but it, it is true. Like where the Bitcoiners are essentially aligning around the like truth that has been discovered. And it's just mm-hmm. most people on the planet have not discovered this truth yet. Or it's not even that they haven't discovered it, they have an inability or uh, a refusal to recognize it. Well, this, this actually ties into probably the, the last piece we should touch on, on in the piece, which is the idea of the great filter, right? Yeah. Is that if we're right about Bitcoin, um, not only do you and I plant the seeds for basically dynasties that may last for millennia, right? Like genuinely, like, um, and dynasties that will last for millennia on this planet and potentially be what help us move beyond the planet. Like I think in the short term, things like, you know, going over, you know, out of space and all that sort of stuff. I'm, I'm writing a piece now. It's like a, uh, a great filter series, but in there I'm calling, you know, the this hallucination with Mars and the moon before we fix, before we clean our room, I'm calling it the great lie. Basically this idea that we're going to go to fucking Mars where there's no oxygen, there's no sun, there's no fucking gravity and all that sort of stuff. And we're going to set up shop there. We're going to terraform get the fuck out of here, man. We can't feed people in Africa. We're going to go and do that. Like, you know, this is just mindless, right? Um, so anyway, um, but da- at some point we surely will when we've got probably a hundred billion people on the planet that are all fed, that are all wealthy, that are all intelligent, that who's forcing fun. Like Homo Bitcoinicus is going to take us to fucking Mars, not fucking dumbass Homo sapiens in our current state where we're, you know, got the leaders of the world are Elizabeth Warren and fucking Joe Biden, like, or Elon Musk fucking, like, I'm sorry, ain't gonna fucking happen. So anyway, the, so, so that, that's one thing. So, so we're planting seeds, honestly, for, for, for dynasties long-term and, and you know, the, the, the progeny of, um, of those who didn't plant the seeds, like what we're doing, probably going to spit on their ancestors' graves. <laughs> so you fucking dumb motherfucker, you could have bought an entire Bitcoin, which is enough to feed our entire line for a million years um, or a thousand years or whatever. You could have bought it for $40,000. You didn't? Fuck is wrong with you? Like, it's going to be a level of like, you know, anyway. Ancestral regret. Total ancestral regret. So, so there's that. But... More importantly, it's like, and I think this is the this is the duty component of moving onto Bitcoin if you have the capacity to do so is um is the great filter idea. So, um, do you want to riff a little bit on the great filter? Like, are you yeah. familiar with it? Like, outside of what I wrote, or uh, no? Okay, let's let's define it and then let's let's riff on it. Okay, so you've heard of the Fermi paradox? Yes. Okay, so Fermi paradox for those listening is the idea that we look out at the universe. 
And it's like, holy fucking shit, there's so many galaxies, there's so many stars. Where are the aliens? Um, so there's enough out there for there to be a mathematically probabilistic, like th there should be aliens everywhere basically, but there's none. So there's all sorts of theories to sort of describe why there isn't. And there's a theory came out in the 90s by a guy, I think he's Robin Hanson or something like that. And he says, all right, life has to go through a series of stages um, and each of these steps are really important. And if these steps, you know, don't sort of either happen or happen in a particular order, um, life doesn't get to the point of being spacefaring, et cetera. And um, I think the steps are like off the top of my head. You know, there needs to be a planet in the Goldilocks zone. Um, life needs to form, you know, single-celled, um, you know, organisms need to form in eukaryotes, I think, in prokaryotes. Then um, there needs to be a, a method of... Um, sexual reproduction uh, form so that way you get like genetic diversity, et cetera. And then, you know, through that you get to the point. And it's it's, it's really weird. F physicists seem to like, you know, they, they they go like a couple of biological steps, et cetera. And then they sort of jump into um, species that is intelligent enough to go spacefaring. And I'm like, okay, th there's a whole lot of fucking steps missing here, bro. Like, and <laughs> you know, I kind of went in there and I was like, okay, well actually we need some earlier steps, things like the discovery of fire, like or or, or at least the the um, the bipedal um, experiment to kind of divert energy to the brain. So then the fire, then getting consciousness. Consciousness has to fucking emerge. Without consciousness, you're not flying any spaceship. You know. Um, then, in order for complexity to emerge, money has to be discovered. So so that kind of needs to happen. Um, and then money enables technological progression. Um, and then once we reach a particular point of technological progression, we need to discover energy money. And I've kind of placed that in there as point 12, I think it is in the article is like step 12 is the discovery of energy money and the movement onto an energy money standard. Um, and I say this in the sense of like, this is what humans would need to do. And, and, and our energy money is Bitcoin. And this is what any other potentially intelligent species would have to go through in order to get through this idea of the great filter. And to explain what the great filter is, it's like it is a cataclysmic event that wipes out life before it is able to become spacefaring and, um, you know, move beyond its uh, the planet that it inhabited. And for me, I kind of see four risks. And we'll talk about, like, after I define the risk, we'll talk about how, like, Bitcoin potentially mitigates or manages those risks. But... Um, Risk number one, and this one exists the entire during the entire um, evolution of life on a planet, is getting whacked by an asteroid. Yes. Right. So, and that one's kind of like a luck of the draw, right? Flip of a coin. Like, we, we could be at the stage of like, you know, we just got sexual reproduction and, you know, things, diversity, and then fucking asteroid hits, wipes it out, start again. Okay. Or we could be at the point, like, we could be at Isaac Newton's point, you know, and we just figured out gravity and everything like that. Put a telescope up in the sky and see a fucking big rock. I mean, and there's argument to be made that it's happened already. You know, like go back, go back, Lee Techie mm -hmm. um, civilization. I mean, Graham Hancock, uh, Russell Carlson have done great research on there was probably an asteroid that hit way North America and caused a great flood, mm -hmm. probably wiped out a somewhat advanced civilization. Mm -hmm. Um, may not have been as advanced as we are now, but was on the way to yep. climbing um, 
yeah. those steps. Those steps, yep, yeah. Totally. So so that's kind of like risks number one. Then risk number two, three, and four are kind of and, and these these are interesting, these are unique risks because they occur at the same time, I believe, that a civilization discovers energy money. So so a civilization needs to be advanced enough to be able to discover Bitcoin or something similar to Bitcoin, but also simultaneously advanced enough to be able to eliminate itself through these three factors. Factor number one is dystopian fucking gulags. So we're, we're advanced enough to create UBI, dystopian gulags, and basically transform human beings into automatons that, you know, live and subsist through some sort of centrally issued monetary instrument and whose bi biology is altered through injections or whatever, right? That kind of system will end up dying out anyway, right? Because it can't, it can't live on. Like it is, it is antithetical to life. It's sterile mm -hmm. um, and sterility. What is sterility? It's the removal of living substance. Virality. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so. Virility, not virality. So, so that's kind of one risk is that we wipe ourselves out through just abolishing the human spirit and abolishing humanity through sterility. Um, digital panopticon dystopias in the pursuit of a utopia. Risk number two is that a bunch of idiots push the red button, fucking blow us all up. Um, and then risk number three is kind of the AI risk. And I did a podcast recently with Rob Malka, who you should definitely have on. I'll do an intro for you. Oh, yeah. He's a, he's a young guy. He's a um, fucking incredible story. Like he grew up to two parents that were born deaf. Oh, shit. So, and as a kid, he had to grow up to kind of like bridge the communication gap between the world and his parents and his two parents who came from different countries, but both grew up deaf, who spoke different sign languages. So like he had to like mold all like fucking wild story, man. So you should definitely have him on. But he, he wrote a paper recently about how, you know, AI is being built particularly on the West Coast and almost being imbued with basically leftist values. Like the values that they're trying to build into AI are things like equality and, you know, whatever else. It's like, you know, and and one of the points he made, I remember from our conversation, he said like, excellence is nowhere in there. Like there's no forcing function of excellence kind of being promoted because excellence is almost seen as fascist in, you know, in these worlds. So it's like, do these people understand like, the potential damage they can create because like human beings in our DNA is this striving for excellence. And if we somehow, you know, spawn an, an AI that views excellence as a bad thing, like what happens to excellent humans? Like kind of cuts us all down into yeah, equal automatons. Exactly. So, so anyway, so there's the, there's the, there's the AI risk, which is, I kind of see two is like one, we imbue it with fucked up values and then in the process it just fucking eliminates us or turns us into blobs. Um, or number two, it actually comes out uh, virtuous in some way like because AI may just emerge spontaneously and um, and it looks at us as a bunch of fucking retards and it's like, okay, well, just let's just clean this off the planet <laughs> because these fucking idiots are just stupid. So it's like, so we've got these kind of potentially existential risks. The asteroid, the gulags, the red button and the AI. Now, they could all completely wipe out humanity and we don't exist anymore. Bitcoin's kind of our way through that because it starts to, I mean, how does it fix the asteroid piece? Well, the asteroid, again, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of luck and timing, but we move on to a Bitcoin standard. We get advanced enough. We get, um, you know, 
we, we, we master energy to the extent that we can build some sort of galactic defense system and we baseball bat the fucking asteroid. Yeah, I mean, and that's something a lot of people talk about now. Like we're, again, going back to raising the bar of plunder and conflict. Bitcoin standard raises that significantly. More likely to cooperate, more likely to cooperate. And say, all right, let's not fight each other. Let's look up Correct. and protect ourselves. So mitigates that risk. Next risk is the red button risk. This one's a bit tricky. So, so maybe maybe we'll leave this one to last. So, so maybe we'll go um, the gulag risk. We know how it eliminates the gulag risk, right? It's like you remove power from the people who are trying to build utopian gulags, um, and they can no longer fund the creation of utopian gulags. And as a result, we eliminate large scale government, and you know it fractures into more localized government. And localized governments can't do gulags because they need to be economically competitive. And yeah, and it fixes this. Alternatively, or not even alternatively, but also in that same vein, as we're seeing in Canada right now, they, they can't prevent you from raising funds to combat the construction of the gulags, which Tallycoin and the Hong Kong HODL are proving right now up in Canada. Killing it. So we fixed that problem. The AI problem is, 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 a, is a tricky one as well. Um, you know, Peter Thiel kind of talks about like, you know, AI is the, you know, the collectivist utopian vision of a like... AI can process and decide everything for us and we just kind of like live like the the fat blobs in um in Wally. Mm-hmm. You know, just like, you know, do that. Versus, you know, Bitcoin swings the pendulum of responsibility back into the individual's hands and we operate and we make decisions. And we actually form the neural net of humanity because we are nodes as individuals making decisions at the edges. Right. And I think Bitcoin you know, I guess my hope in this one is that I think general AI um, is quite a way away. Like I think it's still distant. And if we move on to a Bitcoin standard and we kind of what I discussed, bake morality into us and we start to operate in a, in a far better way, I think we'll think better about the technologies we're building. And we'll also probably slow it down in the sense that a lot of that stuff at the moment is being funded because of the Cantillon effect distortions right so who are the people funding ai is fucking china google u.s government basically and how they're funded through money printing borrowing etc so you fuck that all up and then all of a sudden you know going for these fucking ai moonshots to control the world kind of becomes less profitable because you need to do what actually makes sense today well and then on top of that like the ai that they're building right it scrapes all the public data that it's able to collect due to the nature of uh, the way humans currently interact with trusted mm-hmm. third parties and not only Bitcoiners, but sovereign computing, the sovereign computing movement is changing. Like Paul Toy from Sphinx and S- Stackwork, like he talks about this a lot. Like what you can do with a sovereign computing revolution is like you train your own AI. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that gets us away from like the, the collectivist That's, AI and we have our perfect. individual... Yep where we're, we're training our own AI and they're able to learn individual excellence if it emerges, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then you're not forced to do the the broad brush AI that Google, Facebook, and whoever are building right now. Yep. So mitigate that risk. And then the third risk is the is the red button one. And and this one is more about like, me and Valis were talking about this and we're like, okay, how do we disincentivize anyone from pushing the red button? And the answer we kind of ended up with is like, you give anyone who has the ability to push the red button some Bitcoin. <laughs> 
and like it kind of them holding Bitcoin might deter the the pushing of the red button scenario because um all of a sudden you know you realize that there's some generational wealth yes so it's like that one's a tricky one because you you can never like underestimate the stupidity of a fucking of a bureaucrat. Yes. Um, hey, are you privy to Elaine uh, Al's uh, denuclearization via Bitcoin? No, I haven't done any reading. Yeah, I mean, she wrote the small blog post. Um, it had to be like three or four years ago now at this point. But like, again, how do you disincentivize the, the red button? Maybe we can take it away mm -hmm. by having like a global agreement to denuclearize and you somehow take the, the nuclear components of nuclear warheads and put them in small nuclear modular reactors mm -hmm. that produce energy instead of bombs. And you prove that you're denuclearizing by rises in hash rate mm -hmm. because you're using it to mine Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Fuck, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, this is one of those examples of um, allowing um, an economic incentive to encourage individuals to come up with solutions that some sort of one central authority can't come up with. Like, I, I, I can't tell you how we're going to get through, how we're going to solve the red button problem and all this sort of stuff, but I guarantee you that if people are empowered to make decisions and value judgments of their own accord, somewhere in the 7 billion people or 10 billion people we have at that point in time, we're going to fucking figure out some of these solutions because there is a forcing function towards efficacy and efficiency and a movement away from an attempt to blanket make decisions on everyone's behalf, which is what got us here in the first place. And that kind of all ties back into maybe other civilizations have been out there and maybe they even got up to this point of, you know, discovering energy money. Maybe they just didn't fucking get Bitcoin in time or it was too late or it failed too early or the gulags came too soon or the red button came too soon or they AI came too soon or whatever. It's like, and we're right at that fucking point. It's fucking crazy. Like if we get through this and Bitcoin's a tool to get through it, like what's on the other side is like. Unfathomable <laughs> yeah. again. And that, I, I like the argument too or the theory that maybe those societies do exist, but they decide not to interact with us until we get past that point. Fucking thank you. Yes. So, yeah. so that's exactly what I want to write in the, in the third piece of it is like, so is th that is what I actually believe is the, um, is the truth because at that point, like, and, and this, this is what I think is like, you know, I, I'm a avid sci-fi reader and, you know, I'm always reading and, and, and what, what I'm just, I'm disheartened in sci-fi because no one takes into account, you know, the idea of the discovery of something like energy money and like what actually that does to behavior of the individual of the of the sentient species, like and in our case, human beings. And I think that when we um, get to that point and like so multiple generations and say hundreds of years or thousands of years of like baking morality, what's what's one of the things that someone who is moral does when they view a complex system? They don't fucking stop pushing buttons and like fucking with it. They step away and they allow it to evolve of its own accord. So if there is moral species out there that have progressed through the great filter and are on an energy money standard and are incredibly advanced, I don't think they're going to fucking rock up here on a spaceship and say, hey, how you doing? And like completely fucking distort things. Yeah. And then 
excuse me, I got a burp. Excuse me. Uh, but then you think about it too, like maybe our sci-fi up to this point is completely wrong. It's sci-fi, whether it's Star Wars, Star Trek, mm-hmm. Signs, any alien encounter movie, it's always a conflict Yeah, yeah. where maybe the truth is, again, keep walking down the theory we were just describing. It's like if you get past the great filter, you only do that because you live in a moral cooperative society. And Totally. We're just projecting our current conflict version of existence forward and we're looking at technological advancement without economic advancement. Yes. So like maybe like interaction with aliens will be, if they exist, if the society's gone past great filter, they're out there refusing to interact with us because they don't want to fuck up the complex system that we have evolving here. Um, yeah, then, then it just supercharges it, right? You're like, oh, they're like, hey, welcome. Mm. You've joined something incredible. Yep. You've you've transcended finally. Yeah. Good job. You made it. Yeah. And again, we can't even fathom. Like, I can't even, I'm like trying to think, like, what does it look like? I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I hope that anyone reading this, again, it's, don't read it through the lens of, oh, I'm going to fucking prove him wrong. Like, you know, the, the printing press was more important than Bitcoin and so was the internet. It's like, it's not the point. The point is that use this as a thought experiment. Like what actually happens when this changes? Um, and what happens over iterations of this becoming a standard and what's that actually fucking mean? And and when you start to really think like that, I mean, A, I hope that it inspires some new sci-fi that is like out of this world. Um, I hope that it, um, that it inspires some physicists to think about the unification of physics and economics. Like, cause I think that, marriage is incredibly important and i think bitcoin literally is the embodiment of the unification of physics and economics that's like really really profound um and yeah just i i hope it inspires people to to think beyond just my gains and <laughs> my gains you know and bitcoin is an asset and like i mean that's why these are i don't listen to any of the stuff from like i mean as much as i you know greg fast and all those guys are cool and you know talking about bitcoin is you know the bonds and all that sort of stuff. Cool, bro. Like, I mean, it's probably necessary now. We're getting past the great filter. We got something way bigger to do <laughs> here. Bro. It's like, for me, that's what's interesting. It's like the, that's like, sure, you know, we'll, you know, we're going to out, we're going to 200% per annum. Congratulations. Bonds are gone. Yeah. It's like, whatever. Yeah. No, I agree with I mean, yeah, no, I, no I, we haven't gotten heady on this podcast like this in quite a while. I'm very happy we are because that is another thing that's lacking in modern day society is forward thinking like this like striving for something greater, like mm-hmm. having a great hope, like mm-hmm. getting past the great filter. Like it's all the clown world has forced people again, fiat money driving that clown world has forced people to think in days, weeks, totally quarters, like if that immediacy. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. Again, like going back to like nail it, like the, the metaphysical and the physical combining mm-hmm. via Bitcoin, the conversion of energy to bits that create sats, like that, that live on this digital ledger. That's the metaverse, really. Like the, the ledger that is just present, ever present mm-hmm. around the world as people are, are keeping copies of it on, on their own nodes. Like, I don't think, again, like we've discussed it on this 
podcast and the newsletter, a lot of people don't really understand the innovation. So that's what probably why it is a discovery invent discovery on par with fire because you're melding the physical, the physical. and digital world. Yeah. And yes, the internet's great. Printing press was great, but the, the connection of these two realms was never created before then. Yeah. And that connection will have orders of magnitude more profound effects on humanity than the internet and the printing press did up to this point. Totally. Yeah. And they were pretty profound. Yeah. yeah. I, I think they were like building blocks. Yeah. You know, to, to this. And this is like the sort of, again, I can't think of a better word than just like, it's like an apex point. Yeah. Like a, it's, it's, it's a gateway, man. Like, you know, that this is, and, and honestly, I, as much as, you know, it is lofty this to think that we're going to change the timeline to like A, B, and B, B. I actually think that's realistic, man. I do like, too. You know, like the, the, there was a time before Bitcoin and time after Bitcoin and time after Bitcoin is completely different. But we've also like, the, the other thing is like more, more, um, more tangible, which is before Bitcoin, like history was, um, you know, written and could be changed and everything like after bitcoin it's like immutable it's on a fucking yeah. blockchain that's not going to change so that that is a fundamental difference like from the you know everything that's recorded on bitcoin is never going to fucking change we actually have a source and like that, that's a real like transformation as well like, yeah a source of objective truth to anchor into like fuck yeah again i, I love describing bitcoin it's just like this beam of light in the proverbial middle of town that anybody can just like plug into mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and know that it's pure ah we got cosmic we did we did is there anything else we should touch on um well can i ask you a question sir um do you think so i've been i've been thinking for a long time to sort of write a book on bitcoin do you think i should extrapolate this topic and kind of turn it into a book where it's kind of like a an exploration of all these things like the printing press, blah, blah, blah. Like so basically from fire to Bitcoin and kind of look at how all those things transformed us, but basically culminated into Bitcoin and then do like a thought experiment about what actually behavior might look like and how we might change. So kind of like a full book called Fire Bitcoin Teleportation. It's worth it. Well, if you want to see better sci-fi, who better the writer than you? <laughs> Be the change it. you want to see in the world, Mr. Svetsky. Appreciate it. <laughs> I'll take that as a yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, if not you, then who? Indeed. You don't want somebody else writing your vision of a sci-fi future. Indeed. All right. Definitely write it. Write them parts too. All right. I'll, um, I think I will. I think I, I want to write one that's um, more like a, a nonfiction, but then I, I've never, I've never tried my hand at fiction. So maybe, you know, maybe I do two different things. I, I want to, I think... The world needs better fiction mm. these days, especially. Fuck yeah. It's, Dude, modern film. <laughs> uh, it's brutal. It's the worst thing ever. Like I'm, I'm a movie buff. I used to love movies and I despise fucking watching movies. I tried to watch like, there's some new Amazon one, which is like, um, oh, what's that dude from Guardians of the Galaxy? Chris. Uh, Chris something. Is it Chris? What the hell is his name? I can't remember. Anyway, whatever. He's from Guardians of the Galaxy. So he um so he was in some new Amazon movie and it was like about, you know, going to the future to save the world 
um, before the aliens took over or something like that. Anyway, I tried to watch it. It was so fucking cringe. Like all the heroes in the movie, apart from him, were basically like these butch bitch women trying to be fucking men. Like, so it was like this, you know, th th there was all of that agenda in there. But then at the end, like th the end of it was they, they managed to slip their whole climate change shit in there, which is the oh aliens actually came from Siberia, from Russia. And they came out of the ice because we melted the ice. <laughs> I was like, uh, fuck, you gotta be kidding me, bro. Like just everything is so bad now. Um, that's what I've watched one good movie recently. Good time. Please tell me. Good time. Why? By the brothers who directed um, Uncut Gems with Adam Sandler. I'm not sure if that's a good movie as well, but good time again like the movies that i like these days are ones that accurately portray uh the current plight of man um and i think good time does a good job of doing that robert pattinson's in it will make, it'll make you uh view him in a completely different light but it's just like a good movie like a gripping movie um just like a story of two two brothers mm -hmm. um and yeah just the fucked up part of human nature mm-hmm there's another, yeah, I, I highly recommend anybody watch it. But yeah, like I agree, like sci-fi, all the Marvel movies, it's like, yeah, it's so. Lame, bro. It's, it's not even only lame, it's just unimaginative. It's, it's just, they're just remaking everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, that that's a whole other, you know, I guess it's a, there's a, newsletter that I've been reading from some Bitcoiners in Australia that um that, that their newsletter has been great for the last year and a half two years I've been reading it and recently they just like popped in some nfts and um and I unsubscribed and they saw that I unsubscribed and they emailed me they're like as I was writing that I knew you were gonna unsubscribe cheers um and and for me like nfts just represent basically a manifestation of the peak obliteration of art right so like i like my art to be physical but it's not even like even digital art was beautiful but now it's just become cheap fucking replicable jpegs like what the fuck is going on like so so that's why we, we had this uh discussion with you Untapped. don't understand man you don't understand it's man. for the artists bro community bro they gotta get paid bro <laughs> It's I don't know, man. It's it's bad. It's it's just cheapening everything. And and for me, this is like an example of the um the the cheap theatization and just blind ass commercialization of um of art. Basically, it's like it's it's nihilism because because art I think represents the um the the spirit of the time, right? Yeah. Well. And NFTs in their current form are completely indicative of the spirit of their time. Lazy, unimaginative, yeah, boring, clout chasing. That's it. Like literally. And and for me, I I, I just I find that abhorrent. Like it, it really is um something averse. Like I, I I agreed with a tweet from Novogratz recently. He's like, you know, uh, Ethereum is the currency of culture, and I was like. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it is the perfect representation of modern culture. <laughs> Degenerate culture. So he finally said something accurate. But anyway, yeah, bro. Uh, to wrap this up, I think thank you for having me on. It's been a long time since we had a chat. Thank you for coming back on. Absolutely. We've got to do it more often. We do. We do. Um, I would encourage everyone to 
check out obviously the Bitcoin Times um, edition four. Um, there's another. There's, there's a whole series of good pieces in there. So Farrington's in there, Peter Sanongi, um, Craig Warmkeep, but um, Brandon Quidham's piece in there, Pioneer Species. Mm-hmm. Have you had a chance to yes, check that one out? Yeah, yeah. It's really I think good. yeah, it's 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 my favorite piece from him. And like what I wrote, he gets in the Fermi's. He doesn't get into Fermi's paradox. He, he talks more like the evolution of exactly. He yeah. looks at Bitcoin through an evolutionary biology lens and through ecology. Yeah. But our pieces just dovetail in. And what's funny is that we wrote them completely separately. Mm-hmm. I hadn't read his. He hadn't read mine. And it's like when we wrote them, we were both just in the same fucking wavelength, and they just dovetail in really nicely. So I strongly recommend people um, check that out. I'm actually looking at printers now, so I'm going to start printing. Um, them and what I'm going to do is I'm going to do I've decided basically the game plan for the Bitcoin times it's going to be 21 editions in total I'll do one or two a year so it's oh, going to shit. be like a decade project and I'm going to print 2100 of each oh, as wow. a, like a really high quality thick collectible um, so I'm going to print those and they'll be priced in sats and what, what I'm thinking of doing is I'm thinking of pricing them in a fixed amount of sats from the get-go exactly so so that way they're a fixed amount of sats so then as the price of Bitcoin goes up, the motherfuckers are going to be more expensive. So people have the option if they want to pre-buy, for example, or something like that. But it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a little passion project that I want to do because I think I, I'd love to, over time, just document the great minds. And, um, and, I, and I want to do like each edition has like a, a theme. So the last edition was like uh, Bitcoin and the uh, Promethean idea, like stealing mm-hmm. the fire. This one was, um, you know, a new hope, you know, forward sort of thinking. I want to do an energy edition, which I'd love you to do a piece on. I would love to do one. Um, I want to do a cypherpunk edition. I want to do a, I want to do a citadels edition. I want to do a biology edition. So I want to do all sorts of like, you know, real beautiful themes and just beautifully illustrated, beautifully designed, something that people can keep and hold on to, and you know, hopefully that it will also be worth something long term. Oh yeah, think about our grandchildren going back and reading. Fuck yeah, that shit. I know, right? Wow. Look what they were talking about. Exactly, yeah. These people are fucking crazy, but they were right. Everybody said, thought they were idiots. Thought they were Ponzi schemers. No, we're just here trying to get through the great filter freaks. Uh, and thank you for doing the work you do to like make and push people to think in these ways again, because we're stuck in this short-termism as a society in their, our degenerate culture. Again, it's all about clout chasing. Like, what is, what is going to get me the most clout this week, next week? Mm-hmm. What's the hottest pair of shoes? What's the hottest NFT? Like, no, like, let's think bigger. Let's think longer term. Let's think about impacting our progeny and that are not even like an idea. Like, they're, they're not even like my child, my ch- child, and soon to be children haven't had kids yet. Like, they're not even possible yet. Mm-hmm. But let's think about those people that are yeah. possible. Yet. Yeah. So, well, Alex. Let's go have a Friday. This is a great way to start the day. Indeed. Absolutely. All right. Have a good day. Thank you, bro. Peace and love, freaks.